This is Abnormal Entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen of the internet. This is Steve's house. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Mr. Stevie Wonder. It's the year of living Stevie. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Hey everyone and welcome to the year of living Stevie. I'm your host, Daryl Bean. Happy holiday weekend to you. Uh, those yellow Americans along with me here are celebrating Independence Day weekend, 4th of July. Exciting stuff, all kinds of fireworks. But hey, you know, you kind of cool it in the neighborhoods a little bit. It's driving the dogs crazy. Uh, that's not cool, but uh, it's an exciting, fun weekend. If you're uh, one of our neighbors to the north, happy Canada Day. I um, hope that everybody's having a nice weekend, maybe spending some time with friends and family and just having a good time relaxing. I know I need to relax. I don't think I know anybody that doesn't need a little bit of relaxation time. I, I, I'm pretty sure I don't have any friends that are so chill that you're like, dude, you got to you got to get more intense. You got to get more stressed out. Um, so everybody kind of needs to relax a little bit, I think. So I know I do. So I've been enjoying some relaxation this weekend as well. Um, so this week is a really fun episode, really exciting. I know I'm excited about all the episodes. I don't know, maybe someday you'll download a podcast and it'll start out and I'll be like, yeah, this one's okay, I guess. I don't know. It's all right. Um, but I, you know, I, I am genuinely very excited all the time about uh, all the guests that we have on the show. And uh, this is no exception. And it's really kind of special to me because uh, the two people that I'm interviewing are very close friends of mine that I've made music with and hung out with. And they've been a part of my life um, in some cases for 15 years now, which is super awesome. And it's uh, Adam LeBeau a singer-songwriter from Ann Arbor, and uh, Sarah Gibson, a cellist uh, previously from Toledo, Ohio, who has moved up to uh, to Ann Arbor and will be uh, working in the Ann Arbor Public Schools as an orchestra director, which is super cool. Um, and they also play music and travel around all over the place, which is pretty cool as well. So we had a great chat. They play some cool songs for you, and I'm really, really happy to, to provide that to you. Um, so we're going to get to that in just a bit. But a couple of pieces um, just sort of clean up. Um, business, if you will. First one, if you would like a Stevie is the Truth sticker, um, I still have those on in stock. Uh, they're $3 if you would like to order one. The easiest way to probably do it is to go to the Facebook page, Year of Living Stevie. If you go to facebook.com slash Year of Living Stevie, um, that'll take you to the page. And then there's a button where you can order a sticker. They're $3 delivered to your door. Um, but if you happen to, you know, like live around me or you run into me and you want to just buy one, they're $2 if I don't have to mail them to you. The extra dollar just covers the envelope and the, you know, stamp and what have you. Um, so if you'd like one of those, they're super cool. I have one on my car. I haven't put one on my new car yet, but I will as soon as it's like clean enough because I want to make sure it sticks right. Um, my daughter has one on her car. My younger daughter has one on her skateboard. I've handed them out to friends and family, and I give them as gifts to the uh, people who are, are guests of the show. So you might see them showing up on guitar cases and all that sort of fun stuff. So it's pretty neat to have those. So if you'd like one, I would love to get one to you. So you just need to get in touch uh, either by the Facebook page or, heck, you could hit me up on, you know, email me at livingstevie at gmail.com or on the Twitter or whatever, 
and we'll figure out a way to get one to you and uh, and do what we got to do. The second thing I wanted to get to cover, I totally forgot about it because I didn't really have any responses to it. I'm feeling a little out in the wilderness here a little bit, but I guess that's, that's how it goes sometimes. Maybe the question I asked was a little too hard or something like that. But um, I did a trivia question a couple of episodes ago, and the trivia question, if uh, you didn't catch it or if uh, you may have forgotten or something, the trivia question was what English rock guitarist was instrumental in uh, in helping Stevie develop one of his most one of his biggest hits? And he was asking what the name of the song was and who the rock guitarist. I think I said the question better a little earlier. It doesn't really matter. Um, and here's the answer. Which actually, if you've been listening to the podcast from episode one, you had a little little bit of a leg up on it because it was actually in podcast one with the Social Bandits. And here's the clip. I mean, there is a pattern, Jeff but it's Beck. just it's cool. That was who wrote that little drum part, at least. Stevie and Jeff back in the studio. Oh, yeah. oh really? Superstition. Yeah, huh. yeah. Jeff Beck sat that. down at the drums. Huh. Stevie walked into the studio, apparently, the story goes, and said, like, dude, keep playing that, and jumped on the clav, and they started jamming, and no Superstition way. came out. Yeah. No, how about that? <laughs> so there you go. The answer is Jeff Beck, and the song is Superstition. Pretty cool how amazing musical minds can come together in that way. So that was the answer to the trivia question. I might try another one down the road. Man, that one's a pretty tough one. I, I, I'll totally admit. Um, but uh, we'll try another one down the road a little bit just to kind of see uh, see how that goes. But of course, we need some responses. Even if they're wrong, it's okay. It's alright. I'm not going to beat anybody up for being wrong. It's fine. Um, so that'll be coming down the road a little bit. So uh, without any further ado, I wanted to get into my interview with my friends Adam LeBeau and Sarah Gibson. My guests on the show today are Adam LeBeau and Sarah Gibson. Adam LeBeau has been a fixture in the Michigan music scene for several years, um, at least 15, if not more, probably more, um, as a solo artist and as a member of such bands as Perplex, his current band, Adam LeBeau and the Cloud Builders, and then also the as a founding member of the Ragbirds. Uh, he performs now as a solo artist and with Sarah as a duo, and uh, has been touring all over the state and in several other states and working towards developing a national tour. Sarah Gibson uh, is just just recently moved to the Ann Arbor area, so we've gained a great musician and teacher. Um, before that, she lived in the Toledo, Ohio era, area, era, area, and uh, was a very, very well-respected and successful educator in the uh, school system there, and is joining the Ann Arbor Public Schools as an orchestra director at the middle school level, and I'm sure we'll do great things there as well, as and also as a musician performing in pit orchestras and now with Adam for the last year or so. So here is Adam LeBeau and Sarah Gibson. All right, cool. So, yeah, I guess we'll we'll just kind of launch into it. That's how it goes in most of the other things. So. Whenever you're feeling it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, welcome to the Year of Living Stevie. Today, our guests are Adam LeBeau and Sarah Gibson. Would you say hi, please? Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Um, and we're here in Adam's palatial estate um, <laughs> in the woods. Um, and we're just hanging out and talking. We're talking pools. And the fun, which you've heard me talk about a little bit on the podcast, too, um, and all the the joy that comes from owning a pool. So hopefully some of you guys know all about that, too. Um, so, yeah, we're here. We're talking a little bit about Stevie. And this is kind of a weird uh, – well, not weird, but but it's an interesting episode for me because you know, a lot of the people that I've interviewed, I kind of know, but, like, maybe, like, sort of – I don't know, sort of, like, um, you know, sort of casually or just because we've – 
you know, play together once or twice or something like that. But in this case, um, these two people are very, very good friends of mine. So that's a really fun kind of cool thing that we're doing too. So Adam, I've known Adam 15 years. Oh, goodness, it's got to be. It was sometime around, what was it, like 2003 maybe? I think yeah, 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 so we're, we're, we're reining in on 15 years. Yeah. Uh, and then Sarah and I have been very good friends for, what, three yeah, about three years or so. So, uh, so that's a really, really cool thing. And you know, I, I, I don't know how that's going to translate into the interview part of it too, because it's like sometimes you feel like I'll ask them this question. I don't know. Well, I don't know these people anyway, so who cares? Um, but uh, we not felt the- pretty much the same way. We're like, well, you know. <laughs> We don't really want to suck, but oh, it's Daryl, so it's just all right. <laughs> we'll it's be good. fine. Yes. And all the other people who've been on the show, that doesn't mean that I don't like you. I like you a lot, <laughs> frankly. Um, but anyway. He but, likes his best. But, you know, but it's, it's a little different. Um, so uh, so just to kind of catch us up a little bit, if people aren't familiar with who you are, what you do, like um, kind of explain, you know, your musical adventures, if you will. Wow. I know, that's kind of a big way to put it. <laughs> well, that's pretty obtuse. I got my arms stretched out. Just for those who can't see, because I know none of you can, they're stretched out completely in a 180 degree. With arms wide open. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wide. My musical adventures. So, I mean, as in what I do. And like what right I, now, yeah. Like okay, what are you doing well, right yeah. now? Well, right now, um, I am a touring musician. Um, I'm a full-time musician. I, I've always described my music as... Folk rock, soul, funk, a little bit of jazz, um, and I do a lot of the solo uh, looper guy thing, and uh, that's actually part, kind of part of how I met Sarah, is that um, I was playing a lot of solo shows, I was recording an album, and she started coming out to my shows <laughs> as a friend, as somebody we'd, we'd work with uh, together, and so I do a lot of the solo looper guy thing, and also play in a band occasionally called The Cloud Builders. Um, and yeah, just tour over uh, the local states and hopefully uh, points beyond. Very cool. How about you, Sarah? Uh, I've been playing cello for almost 30 years. You also can't see me, I know. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) I thought about that with the saxophone, too, though. I'm like, holy, I've been playing saxophone for like 33 years now. What? What? (laughs) Uh, But I've been an orchestra director for 16 years in Toledo, Ohio. And I have new adventures here in Ann Arbor, and I'm very excited to, to be part of the uh, string faculty there. Very and, cool. Um, yeah, I can't wait to teach those students. So. Very. Do you yeah. know, like, roughly how many students that you'd be seeing in that school? Or? I don't know yet. Don't know yet, yeah. No. So. It's all a big adventure. So right? it is. But <laughs> I've been playing, I started off playing in uh, praise bands in church, and then I just really got into jazz and blues in college, and just continued playing with whoever I could, and uh, been asked lately to play on different albums. And Yeah, I've everybody's been, uh... asking you to play now. I'm a, little, I'm a little jealous. I'm just saying, just a little bit. <laughs> I'm jealous. That's, 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 that's my jealous. Hey. Um, and I've been picked up at a, a local... Uh, folk trio, A.S. Coomer trio. I've been playing with him for a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been really fun to branch out and try to develop my playing more and more every every day so very cool and and both of you really are kind of masters of self-effacement because like <laughs> for example adam i mean you've got how many solo records like you're in the 
third or fourth? I'm trying to. Uh, well, let's see. I'm looking at my sh- my my shelf over there actually to see <laughs> if I can count them up. Uh, so I have three solo records. Mm-hmm. Uh, then of course there's my my. I think we, can we still call them records? Is that what we do? Sure. Why not? Okay, because we're old enough, right? I'm a hipster. So it's still all records. Right. All right. So <laughs> I have none on vinyl, and they're not coming either. Uh, so yeah. So I have three solo CDs. Um, I have a CD with my first band, and then a CD with a band. That happened in the middle, uh, which is Annalise Company. Yep. And then, of course, I was in recording with the Ragbirds as well. So. Right on. So, and and then Sarah, like you're like, oh, I just taught music for 15 years. Like you had an incredibly successful program um, in Toledo uh, that was award winning. Am I right? I mean, I mean, we got superior ratings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. And we toured a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, very successful in your in you know your various things that you do and now you're kind of like branching out and trying new things which is really exciting you know that's really really cool that like here you are you're in, you know, new school district whole new adventure with that uh cloud builders you know whole new band and you know. uh, to be perfectly honest i've been really excited about um sarah and i and the amount of time mm-hmm. that we've been spending together and working together um is that again when she, well I, <laughs> I, I i've said what i do now is improvisational folk rock and soul uh, that's sort of the tagline that I do when I go out and perform. And when Sarah started coming to shows, she would just bring her cello <laughs> and she would just sit in and she was amazing and she was awesome and it was fantastic and we would do these great things and have these great moments and the improvisational nature was fantastic. But now that we've known each other for how long is it now? A little over a year? Over a year. Yeah. Over a year. And um, so we've actually had an opportunity periodically to to actually work up some things and... Uh, develop the sound that we're working on together, and I think that's really exciting, especially coming from an acoustic background. To to work with an acoustic musician uh, that comes from a completely different school and develop it into something new. Yeah, that, that was actually something I was just kind of thinking about. Is I was you know kind of thinking about how both of you have come from kind of different backgrounds and from different experiences and from different sort of trainings, if you will. Training? Well, Did I have training? <laughs> yes. Oh, we're all trained, man. It's, it's, it's a little opposite. You're right. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. It's like, really fun. And, and everybody that I've, you know, everybody that I've talked to and the, like every, you know, pretty much everybody that you know, it's unusual for somebody to be like, from say like a, a a strict classical not strict I mean it's kind of like that's one of those words that like I, I kind of like to blow up that balloon a little bit that somehow because you're a trained musician from a university or because you've taken a lot of lessons or because you you play an instrument that people particularly tend to think of as sort of like a a heavily disciplined like you know ruler on the na- on the uh, knuckles that kind of an instrument it. no no okay. <laughs> actually it's pretty true <laughs> um but i think it's it's interesting how like you can come from that sort of background and, and just what what that was like so when you first started playing together um it might be interesting to get sort of like your experiences about what that was like like did, when we first started playing together like uh, how you felt like particularly if you felt like in the moment, if there was like, if you had to adjust, like, what kind of adjustments did you have to make to <laughs> well, make that work? You would want to ask Sarah that because when we first started playing together, it was me playing 
And I'm like, well, I'm doing my thing, and you just ride the wave, honey. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Marty McFly on a skateboard. <laughs> yeah, onto yep. a truck. If you can hang, great. If not, you just stop playing. Yeah. <laughs> Which I still do. <laughs> there, there's definitely more uh, more listening now. We definitely yeah. it's because again we're sort of developing a sound and a performance uh, together. Um, I definitely pay a lot more attention. And in and, and any musical situation, of course, you always want to listen to whomever you're playing mm-hmm. uh, with. But uh, but that said, yes, in those instances, it was my show, and she was there, and she just, all right, well, knock yourself out. <laughs> so maybe you want to say a little more about that? <laughs> well, I think as we play together, you know, there have been certain songs that I knew or felt more comfortable in playing, and Adam would add them to the set. Mm-hmm. And it sort of developed into something really cool. And now we've got a, kind of quite a bit more where we're able to, hey, can you do this? Like, okay, give me 15 minutes and I'll I'll get this lick or figure out. I don't out. always give her 15 minutes. No. <laughs> uh, Is that strict? Really... Do you set your phone? or like... <laughs> No, it's been like, oh, by the way, we're playing this song next. Yeah. <laughs> oh, have we played that one together? No, nope. we're playing it anyway. Okay. Well, all right, there we go. <laughs> but that brings me back to the good old days a year ago. <laughs> But, yeah, I think Adam Adam's uh, independent rhythmic style too makes him unique in any of his own originals and oh, anything that you do. Thank you. And uh, my my strength is not rhythm, so I'm really happy when he puts the bass line on the loop because then I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that kind of gives I can, you. I can improv and fill in and do cool things mm-hmm. elsewhere. So sure. Yeah. It's fun to find where we fit in. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And and then I guess on the converse of that, like the other way I was kind of thinking about it is what did – and you kind of answered it for Adam. Like what what sort of things did you learn from each other in that particular context? Like do you feel like, for example, Adam, there were things that Sarah knew because of her background and experience that you went, oh, I never thought about handling it that way, and that's really interesting. Do more of that, or I want to learn how to do that myself, or, or vice versa. I, I think it would. It, it, there's always that. I think mm-hmm. anytime you work with any new musician, there's always going to be an element of that, but it's less cerebral than that. It's mm-hmm. more like, oh, well, like I, I, I hear you doing this, and that allows me to play off it in that way. Um, and but that's that's the way that I think. Like I, I've always been somebody who likes to kind of be in the moments and have. Um, an experience, and and so it's a lot less thought process going into it, mm-hmm. uh, unless of course uh, we are in sort of a rehearsal setting, like like maybe preparing for a podcast, like mm. maybe. <laughs> 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 or, uh, but but like she said, you know, I, I started thinking about songs that might lend better to what she does and the style of playing that she has and maybe leaning set lists towards those types of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a lot more to learn from each other. Um, we're only really just sort of tapping uh, into that. So You've only just begun. We've so mm-hmm. only just begun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know who's a Carpenters fan here. I, uh, no, I don't know. I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and you were talking about the rhythmic sensibility. That, yeah, that's like a, a you know, pretty different sort of world Mm -hmm. if before maybe like you've you've come at it from sort of like an orchestral tradition Mm -hmm. or you know a chamber music tradition where there's rhythm but it's it's just handled a little differently and the you know the accents and stuff are in in different places my my trips to west africa you know i I have a set of african drums i learn things you know and i can have certain knowledge of feel Mm -hmm. 
but to be a, a bass player. You know, I'm a cellist. I know what to do with my instrument, but to do the the bass playing, I I'm not well versed in that. And yeah, that's something I'd like to get lessons on or work with a drummer and this summer and get to know the feel of things and play them on the cello with that, just so I get better at those kind of things. And, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so, and I'm drawing a blank. Why am I drawing a blank? I usually have a the next question to go to after that. <laughs> I expect you have a clipboard. Like, I'm going to ask this. <laughs> I don't. I, I should. This, and then I ask everybody this. <laughs> <laughs> I should, but I, it's like, I I don't know. Like, the, the my favorite interviews are like, I don't know if you've ever seen Off Camera with uh, Sam Jones or no, not. No. But it's this great show. It's on Netflix. Um, and he's a uh, he's a photographer, but he also did uh, this documentary about Wilco called "I'm Bra- I'm Trying to Break Your Heart," okay. um, and he does these sit down interviews. And he's usually got like an iPad with questions, but the the questions are so rangy, you know, because he talks to all kinds of different people. He'll talk to Tony Hawk, and then next week he's talking to you know Johnny Depp, or he's talking to like you know all these different musicians and actors and yeah. athletes, and it's never like. A, you know, here, oh, he's going to ask that question again. Kind of the thing. Like, it's really, like, very conversational and in the moment, which I really liked. So I, I like that, like, too. I, I used to interview people to hire them on jobs, and I did not improvise much. It was just, here's your, where do you so, see yourself in the next five years? <laughs> are you going to try and take my job? What do you feel like your core competencies are? <laughs> what are your weaknesses? <laughs> just in case I need them. <laughs> this is, <laughs> Actually, it sounds kind of fun. I think I'd like to do that at some point, be an interviewer for a corporation and just be like, so what do you think your weaknesses are, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you never know when certain information may become useful. Useful. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess uh, maybe it would be good to, to chat a little bit about the singer-songwriter experience. Because that, that's yeah. kind of like the, the sort of facet that I was thinking of when I was trying to think of like, okay, well, how do we relate Stevie Wonder – to what you do, you know, because I mean, it's like, Oh, you can't, it's just, there's no way. Well, I mean, there's Stevie, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but, but, but like what facet stone, the cornerstone that, yeah, right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I think that, I, I don't know if it's something that people, you know, maybe don't think about as much, but when you think of like the singer songwriter tradition, you know, and like, mm-hmm. if you say like, okay, name five singer songwriters, people would typically go to like a James Taylor, or Paul Simon, sure. Who you just saw, Yes, yeah. we did. Oh. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people kind of go to that wheelhouse, like the dude with a guitar mm-hmm. kind of wheelhouse, or Joni Mitchell, so the lady with a guitar, or something yeah. like that. But wouldn't necessarily think of somebody like a Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. but yet Stevie Wonder is this incredibly well-versed, you know, singer-songwriter, like, that, you know, that went through all these different stylistic periods and all that sure. sort of stuff. Um, so maybe to, to, to think about this. So I, I guess maybe... The first thing that pops to mind is, you know, going back in the mental Rolodex a little bit. When you first started writing songs, like what what was the impetus to do that? Well, to be perfectly honest, when I first started writing songs, I was walking home alone from school and I couldn't play an instrument and I would just sing lyrics and songs to myself. It was to entertain myself and also as a, as a form of expression. It was It was something to sort of 
you know, I was <laughs> surprised. I was a musician. I was a loner. I, I was so sad. What? <laughs> <laughs> it was so sad. But yeah, but I would I would sort of, you know, sing out my day and I would talk I would make lyrics up and these songs up on my way home from school just to keep myself company and to sort of uh you know, talk things through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Cool. Uh, so like so it basically kinda sounds like yeah, I'm, I remember kind of doing that when I was when I was a kid too. Like you know, almost sort of like a way of processing mm-hmm. the world around you, and a way of like kind of putting it in a context yeah. that that was meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so where was that kind of like bridge moment of oh, this is something I can really like do for people? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> when I learned three chords on the guitar. <laughs> Which, when was that? When I learned three chords on the guitar when I was about I think it was maybe fifteen, sixteen years yeah. old. And when I learned my first three chords, I can write a song now. I can yeah. actually write a song now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was it. I think I wrote three songs like in the next week. <laughs> I had a lot to say. <laughs> and it was all pretty sappy. Janie doesn't want to go out with me. <laughs> Why she's such a bitch? I don't know. <laughs> that was, did, that did was I me. Did I play that one for you? That, that was that... me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't delve back into those songs very often. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I like to pull them out and just play them on stage just because it's fun and funny to me and maybe no one else gets the joke but, <laughs> but yeah yeah i mean as soon as i could i could accompany myself that's when i really i mean i wrote poem, poems and whatnot but mm-hmm. as soon as i could accompany myself and actually write a structure of a song um <laughs> in the loosest of terms uh that's when i started writing songs and like that's, that's the part that keeps coming back i'm gonna do that okay right <laughs> Oh, chorus. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you're learning the terminology uh-huh. and all that stuff as you go along. Yeah. Um, and I get sort of like a corollary question. I guess it's like um, on the on an instrumental level. Like, when when do you feel like playing the cello? And first of all, is that your first instrument, or did you? Did that you is start my with... primary instrument. So that's always cello. been it's always yeah. been cello for you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm learning. So I learned much. guitar though. I was a hippie chick with my guitar too <laughs> and i did write some songs earlier in the did year. you okay well tell us about that i'm oh, sorry well, I, i'm sorry i, I assumed was, that's awesome no i did i wrote i was actually a camp counselor at girl scout camp and i wrote the camp whipper wells theme song and it was sung for like the two summers that i was there you know? okay I, wow and uh, taught the campers. Yeah, so bring it on. There's a cool. guitar right oh, there. No, no, can... no, no, no. <laughs> no way. No way. To make the whippoorwill stop. <laughs> well, actually. Probably. You, I'm going to have to dig it out. I don't you even really know must. Anymore. I cannot. I, I demand. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> got some time. You can, you can work That's out cool. We'll work it up. It'll okay. be our. It'll be like. It'll be like. So, um, Whipperwill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I did the cheesy thing and wrote a song for my college boyfriend. You know, it's really lame. But, you know, this is stuff you do. You just said Janie was a bitch. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's. I don't know. Like. Tom is a dick. Or like, what was what was, was it like say anything with the... anything? It was actually like a love song. Oh, it was a good thing. Okay, all right, cool. And what happened with that? I'm just curious. How that, how that worked out. <laughs> it did not work out. <laughs> was it like a? Is it? Was it say anything? No. Um, Sixteen candles or something. Uh, Where was the one with the girl who who's writes all the songs about Joe? Oh, that's so right. Like, I've got, yes. She's got 58 songs about you. <laughs> I think it was Say Anything, actually. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Joe lies when he <laughs> cries or whatever. I don't know. But um, yeah. So very cool. That's awesome. Do you think that 
given sort of like the the I don't know like I don't know what a good word for it is sort of like that transformation because it's really music is music I mean right I mean like yeah. making music is just making it music um, but in the route that you've since you found yourself doing more sort of like folk sort of stuff and playing, do you think that songwriting is going to become more of a thing for you? Or? Well, I feel like I have a lot to offer whenever I play with a group, you know, mm-hmm. I comp it on the spot, but then I fill in and I'm helping be part of the ensemble, just like you would be in or- orchestra, but I'm writing my part, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm fitting in. And I think that's made me a better musician to, to on the fly, write my own music right now. Here, I Very was cool. expecting you to say, I was already working on my own solo project, and, and, and <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask. <laughs> Sarah gives <Whoosh>. experience, <laughs> and I'll be playing next week. <laughs> I kind of got a gig at the Troubadour. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> all by myself, don't wanna be. It's <laughs> fantastic. Um, so, so cool. Um, but so, so there's songwriting in your past, mm-hmm. possibly maybe in your future. Maybe. I don't know about that. Maybe. maybe I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Up to Adam. <laughs> uh, but, um, and on an instrument, like sort of as an instrumentalist. Cause I, I remember like, I can tell you exactly the point when I went from just a dude that played saxophone in school band mm-hmm. to, holy crap, I'm going to make, you know, mm-hmm. not like necessarily I'm going to make a living out of this, but this mm-hmm. is something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And maybe if I'm really, really lucky, make a living at it. I just, I remember when I was in high school, uh, we had, um, people come in to do sectionals with mm-hmm. the group, which had never had. Cause I went to this little, you know, not a little school, but the band program was tiny and we didn't have any money. So the idea that there were other people other than your band director that could come in and teach you, was like, right. First of all. And then, um, the guy who came in was this tuba player from, uh, Jamestown, uh, Normal Idell was his name, and and he came in and he did you know did a sectional and stuff, and I, I just kind of chatted with him for a little bit, and I'm like, so what do you do, man? And he's like, well, I'm a professional tuba player. <laughs> That's a thing, and I was exactly <laughs> like, and I just went like, wait a minute, you can make money doing this? What? And then like, wait a minute, yeah, you can make money doing this, and then you know just like. That sort of yeah. hey, that was sort of like a shift moment sure. in your yeah. in your life, you know, and you're mm-hmm. like, holy crap, I never even thought about that as an idea yeah. before. Um, so as a as a young cellist, when was the? Do you remember a time? Um, or I something? was I excelled because my parents were able to get me lessons with the best teacher around, and um, maybe the first time I got paid to play a wedding gig. Uh huh. And then you know, um, how old were you when that happened? Fifteen? Were you? I was, was in your a, mind my high school quartet. Freaking blown when that happened. You were like, "Dude, I just got paid to actually, play." Kind of, but it, the music was easy. It was actually really all we had to do was <laughs> play rondo and you know, the wedding and music and Pachelbel's canon that only has eight notes yep. anyway. And then I got um, asked to play at the Dayton Playhouse in the Pitt Orchestras as a high school cellist. So that I love playing shows, and that's yeah. one of my great passions still today is playing in Pitt Orchestras. So. Sweet. Yeah, that's I love that kind of playing. I miss that actually. I've, yeah. I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. It's, it's pretty. I've conducted a couple of pit orchestras, yeah. but I, I haven't played in a while, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. So that's really cool. Yeah. It's like then the first time you get paid to play, it's yeah. just like, yeah. what? I just made a lot of money. Right. Ten dollars. Oh my god. Right. <laughs> well, I don't know what kind of gigs you were playing. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not as prestigious as either you guys. <laughs> 
trained yeah. musicians. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my um, passion was really teaching more than yeah. I. I mean, I knew I was going to go into teaching, mm-hmm. and so performing was hard, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, college, you know, being in ensembles, I was really I excelled at. Like a, I was in a piano trio mm-hmm. in college, and that was one of my best performances to date. Was with that trio, so. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's always, it's kind of fun. I know, like, when I was in college, even in graduate school, that solo, playing solo was always, like, nerve-wracking, and I didn't feel like I did it real well, and it wasn't like, this isn't my strength, really, but when I played in a brass quintet, mm-hmm. or if I played in a in a tuba quartet, mm-hmm. or something like that, it was when, when I was playing with other people, mm-hmm. and you got that sort of ping-pong of energy between people that's when it really got exciting it's like mm-hmm. wow we did that together mm-hmm. holy crap exactly. that was amazing yeah. you know like that's when it really mm-hmm. you know that the bells went off mm-hmm. when you would do something like that and yeah so you had a quartet when you were in in high school mm-hmm. yeah we, we had a brass quintet when i was in high school too um so it was that was always fun to be able to do those kind of things with your friends just like go in somebody's basement and hang out for two hours and you know, play Canadian brass arrangements or whatever oh, yeah. like that. So it's the world of of high school music geekery right here. <laughs> right here. We got it all. <laughs> no, but I think that ties back to what Adam was saying is when we when I joined him and now recently we're we're building something here, you know, to play together, it it means so much more mm-hmm. to be able to improv off of each other and play or drive it somewhere. Yeah. In the same songs that we've done over and over again or that he's played over and over again and it's new and fresh every time just like the Paul Simon concert last mm-hmm. night he's up there playing all of these amazing songs that he wrote but they're new and different mm-hmm. for us that audience that night and mm-hmm. that's so special yeah that's a, that constant evolving mm-hmm. and we keep people like that you know young in mm-hmm. you know in spite of the fact that we were just talking about that earlier that he's like 77 or something like that. But he's still, like, just got this vitality and this, mm-hmm. you know, like, Paul McCartney's like that, too, where he's 75, mm-hmm. and he's still going out and just killing it. You Scientology, know, man. It's, it's weird when they replace him with the clones. Yeah, it's weird. You know how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Sutherland screaming. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any, being that, that, you know, you've done records and, you you know, like, you're capable of producing your own records and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, are there any plans afoot for you as a duo to, to do any records together to work well, on something? I mean, if we can just throw it out there into podcast land, I mean, Sarah and I would really like to add a third person to what we do. Somebody to kind of round us out, somebody with some, some vocal chops that can do some harmonies, a multi-instrumentalist, maybe, you know, mandolin, fiddle, uh, guitar, <laughs> if anybody's out there, uh, my number is anyway. Uh, but no, we'd like to sort of develop um, a more acoustic trio. Uh, we actually was just talking yes- yesterday. Is <laughs> as, as, you know, well, I, because um, I use the looper a lot. Maybe getting Sarah on the looper as well, so we mm-hmm. make a nice string section. And maybe to hell with adding a third person, and we'll just develop that. But we really want to spend some time sort of working on developing our sound. And I mean. Being the person that I am, I love to be in the studio. I love to create music and write music, and I love working with Sarah. And if it takes about a year, I think, at the most, we will either be in or at least planning to be in the studio. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah, I think that would be really nice because knowing, I mean, I know the audience, well, maybe they do if if they're familiar with with your output, but knowing your records... 
Um, it would be really interesting to have that sort of shift in the way that you approach what you do. I mean, already the, the most recent record that you put out, uh, Itch, has a lot of that where you've got the strings that Sarah played. Um, no, that's that's actually what the, the day we met. She yeah. came, came in to record in the studio for Itch. Yes. Oh, right on. Okay, <laughs> cool. So, yeah, so you're already kind of experimenting in that mm-hmm. vein a little bit. But it'd be kind of weird. Yeah, you know, I say weird as low as a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's like it'd be different and unusual to to do something a little more broken down and a little smaller, you well, know, than a full band. Sort a, of thing. As a matter of fact, that's kind of what really appeals uh, to, to me about it is, is that I, I'm I'm a folky by, at heart, and I came from being the guy with an acoustic guitar who sat and you know sang sad songs in the corner of the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being able to come back to a much more acoustic sound. Um, and, and that's kind of, actually, I'd like to get a, more even away from the looping, uh, and actually make a legitimate, tight, acoustic sound. It's really where my heart lies. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I love the funk and I love the soul and I love rock and roll, but, but there's a certain sweetness and a certain, um, presence, a certain, mm-hmm. uh, present presence, uh, to, to have it be just acoustic instruments and just voices. And I, I definitely, uh, looking forward to exploring that. Yeah. yeah it's a, it, one of the, the things that we had talked about with, um, escaping pavement was how the scene of like sort of folk Americana sort of elements has evolved. And it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, I guess the thing, I, I don't know if I, I said this or if, if somebody else had said it at some point, I don't even think it was in the podcast, but just the idea that like when you leave the space, in the music, it gives people space to really connect with it. You know, whereas what, you know, a lot of the music that people put out is kind of almost an assault on the senses. And it's, some of it's great and it's really awesome and it's got its place, but it's nice to be able to just kind of luxuriate in a sound a little bit. And that's what makes, you know, if you think about singers like, well, Paul Simon, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, Mm -hmm. why that's timeless. Or, you know, we're talking about Glenn Hansard, a little bit earlier and the stuff that he does and, you know, Damien Rice and, and people like that to just leave this big wide open field for you to, to sort of just be in. One of the things that I, I've searched for uh, for many years, when it comes to anybody I like to play with, because, I mean, you know, if you're a musician, you, you, you're in garage bands, hopefully you're in garage bands, you know, you start off and you play with everyone else. And most people are so excited to play with anyone else or in front of anyone else or just to be playing at all that is just balls out all the time. (laughs) And and it takes a long time to to learn the subtlety and to learn to listen and to learn to leave that space. And one of the things that I appreciate the most about music that I listen to and about music that I create is exactly what you're talking about, is where Mm -hmm. everybody has simpler parts, but as a whole, it becomes greater. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's it's weird. Like a lot of the you, know, you talk to a lot of soloists, for example, I, a lot of the interviews with you know, great jazz players or great blues players, and almost to it to a, to each one of them, they'll always say as they get older that they play they play less. It's like I'm trying to figure out how to play less. How it's to the notes you don't play, not the notes you play. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I always thought it was really interesting. Like as these people have developed as musicians. And that, you know, it's really easy to be cynical and be like, ah, it's because you're arthritis, or whatever. But, like, <laughs> there's this real intent of, like, um, of just, like, I just want to play the right notes. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's like that Charlie Parker thing about, like, just playing clean and finding the right notes, mm-hmm. finding the pretty notes. I'm thinking know? of a, a moment from Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test when I forget which character it was, but some cat, like, 
Somebody came up on somebody else, and he was sitting on some elementary school playground, probably zonked out of his head, <laughs> and he was playing a guitar, but he was only playing one note over and over and over again. He's like, this is the note. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, man. This is the one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is so real on the cello, like the pedal tones, you know, because you're just focusing on that bow arm, like, constantly. I love playing. Get the tone. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Yes. If I get a chance, that's. That's always yeah. That's always awesome. blowing my mind with music. Like I know uh, there's this sax teacher Bob uh, Bob Reynolds who does online lessons, and I, I did some online lessons with him and stuff. And he was talking about his practice regimen. And one of the things that he does is like he'll just play long tones mm-hmm. for an hour, mm-hmm. like one note on the horn, and just mm-hmm. wow, see how many different colors he can mm-hmm. get out of it. And I'll admit I'm OCD. I can't do that. Or not OCD. I'm like ADD. I just I'm like, right. like and one of those combinations of letters. I don't know, but but yeah, Your I'm OCP. like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know you know me. me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just like, dude, I can't. I couldn't imagine my head would explode being in there for an hour. Uh, uh, you know, like just doing, and I'm like, well, maybe you should play the cello then. Derek. Maybe I should. It's way perhaps. Fun. <laughs> she reminded me of a story when I when I when I was married, and this might be the reason that we got divorced. Is that I had a recording studio, my first recording studio, eight at recording studio. And, of course, I was recording my very first record because what do you do when you have recording equipment is you start recording right away. Uh, that was Shadows and Reflections. And so I recorded most of the stuff. And then if, any, if anybody's out there, if you've, been, if you've been recording, you know that you have to do stuff over and over and over again to get it just right. And so all my ex-wife heard was me going, like over and over and over. I already want to leave, man. And then they'd be different pitch. And like just the same thing. And it probably, yeah, it probably that's probably the reason. I, I can't guarantee it. I mean, you'd have to ask her, but. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to bail. I was just like, where's the door? No. Yeah, that was like just two seconds ago. And Darren's like, yeah, can we finish this interview right like, now? Ooh, look at the time. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, like, and a lot of times it's not even just getting it right. It's like getting to the point where you're comfortable enough with it where you yeah. can move beyond it just being right and yeah. feeling comfortable and real and honest but correct at the same time. <laughs> and that takes a really, really long time with things, you know? So, um, so yeah, I could, to- I could totally see that. And it's, it's, it's really interesting that, that hunt for the sound. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. spending mm-hmm. that time and really digging in. And it's mm-hmm. what people who aren't musicians maybe have a hard time with that don't really understand. Like why would you spend an hour well, that's Doing the that. discipline of it, just like any, you know, like mm-hmm. sports. Like, why would you, you know, practice your free throws some, or per, for four hours? Perfect right. spiral. Yep. Yeah, yep. right. I mean, there's just, yeah. So it's there when you need it, basically. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. I've, I've always heard it explained. It's like, mm-hmm. well, when you, you know, when you practice it, you got it when you need it. And if exactly. you don't practice it, you don't, you don't have it when you don't, when you need mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, that's the same thing with improv. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about. Uh, the modes, like you were talking about what influences we had. It's some of the theory. Like, Adam knows all the theory. He knows all of it. He plays it. He plays it. I can fake it pretty well. well but I, I wrote up, like, a sheet of, like, how, how you That's play all this. That's the Ramonian style. mode. Right. right. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I don't practice my modes enough to play modally. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't play a lot of jazz. I, I can do blues, but... You know. Yeah, and actually, it's interesting how like if if you're aware of it, you know, like you're open to it, how these little moments can kind of like just kind of kind of 
rock you in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was playing. I was sitting in with with social bandits actually. And maybe I should just rename the podcast The Year of Living Evan because Evan Mercer, oh, the yeah. keyboard player, keeps <laughs> yeah. popping into life yeah. here. Like he, you know, coined the the Stevie is the true thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and we were playing. Way he was go, playing Evan. keyboards, and he. I forget what we were talking about, but he just said, "Yeah, man, if you don't hear it, don't play it." Mm-hmm. When he was talking about solos, mm-hmm. and I was like. That was just like a, uh-huh. and he's like a twenty, I think twenty two, twenty three year old. You know they know and everything. I mean, twenty year olds know everything. He's so <laughs> like he's such a deep soul, man. Like I just I feel yeah. like he's probably on his eighteenth incarnation <laughs> or something. I don't know, but like I just remember like going, wow. And I keep like every time I play, like that yeah. pops back into my head of like, yeah, if you don't hear it, don't play, man. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Great band, by the way. I, I really enjoyed yeah. that, well, that particular podcast, and I've gone I, out and looked up their stuff since. I then, say so. thank you for them. I, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just that was really heavy. Like I, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. That whole like, yeah. yeah, if you don't hear it, don't. If you're not able to conceive it in your brain, don't try and just throw it out there and see what happens. And I'm like, whoa, heavy duty. And it's really affected how I played for the last month or so. Like it really just stuck for some reason. So it's really interesting how those sort of like oh. mental. I don't know, like mental things that you go through or the mental games that See, you play. I feel like I have soloing Tourette's. I just like, bleh, there's this now, there's that. Come to the zen of Evan. <laughs> All right, I'll try. I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> you don't know him, but he'll still be in your head like, if you don't hear it, don't play it. <laughs> I, didn't hear it I, I didn't hear it after I played it. I just, it was there and, I don't know, my fingers went there and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my ears aren't attached to my fingers. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know, like I'm watching. I'm like, wow, that's that's amazing. What just happened? <laughs> I did okay. I guess I did that just then. Whatever. Um, <laughs> and that's the whole practice thing too. Where like it's like I you know. I've always I've known that, but at the same time, like kind of taking it with a grain of salt, I guess for some reason. Like I've I've been like sure whatever about <laughs> it a little bit, and then I spent a good chunk of last summer learning this Charlie Parker tune, right? <laughs> like so I was yeah over and over and over and over and over again playing these things, and and I was recutting the solo for uh, Ash, okay, on oh, yeah, yeah. last yeah. record, and this lick came out that I realized like. Right so after sweet. it came out, I'm like, yeah. Charlie Parker. That's where I got that from. Like, I'm like, where did I? I never play stuff like that. What's where did that See, come from? If, if this were uh, were, were a video, this is when like the 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 ticker would go across the bottom. Ash appears on Adam LeBeau's <laughs> most recent solo album, Itch. And yes, and, it just did virtually. So there you go. Okay, sweet. Okay, and and, <laughs> and yeah, and Daryl uh, laid some sax on, it, and it was this beautiful solo. And it was it was totally that. Where I'm like, where did that? Like, I really didn't know where that part came from. Yeah. Like, I just kind of went, I don't play stuff like that. What was that? And I'm like, oh, now's the time. That's where that came from. Oh, so now I'm now I'm a believer. Yeah, and if you don't hear it, don't play it. <laughs> but it's not the year of living, Evan. It's year of living, Stevie. Year of living, Stevie. So we should talk a little Stevie then. Yeah, so, let's do that. Um, so we were just kind of talking about the singer songwriter mm-hmm. kind of experience, and then how you know Stevie's songwriting. Like one one of the things that, that I was thinking about is how you know when people think singer songwriter, a lot of times they usually kind of default to like a James Taylor or sure. uh, you yeah. know like dude with a guitar. Or Joni Mitchell, so Lady with a Guitar, or Joan Baez, or somebody like that. Like, you know, you would tend to think 
that sort of wheelhouse when you think singer or songwriter. Yeah. But in fact, you know, anybody that writes songs and sings would be a singer songwriter. And Stevie Wonder, very much that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think through, it's kind of on the spot. I didn't have you think about this ahead of time. <laughs> so I apologize in advance. Um, and if we, if we need to cut time out or something, if you need time to think, <laughs> it's totally fine. Remember, we improvise. That's yeah. what we do so now. It's all so good. It's, we're we're so just going to go with it. When you, when you think of some of your favorite Stevie Wonder songs, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just assuming you have favorites because everybody has favorite Stevie Wonder songs. <laughs> Stevie is the truth. I mean, yeah. uh-huh, of course. Um, so, but when you think of your favorite Stevie Wonder songs, like, what do you think, like, what, what about his songwriting appeals to you the most, do you think? Um, it, obviously he's always had that voice, but I, I guess, you know, for me growing up as, as a Michigander, um, and with my folks who grew up in Detroit, um, I, I think that he was that sort of present urban sound and there was that funkiness and that reality to it. And I, I don't mean the reality in the lyrics, but I just mean that like, even me, like when I listen to some of like the classic, like uh, middle era Stevie Wonder, you know, I think of the urban city and I think of like the sweaty Detroit summers and, mm-hmm. and I feel it and I hear it and I smell it and I taste it. And, and, and I, I think that's what appeals to me the most about his music as he takes me right there. Mm-hmm. Like his sound is that sound. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not anything that anybody else but Stevie can do, although a lot of people have tried mm-hmm. and still do. And we might do that a little bit later. <laughs> uh, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I guess if I were to sort of try to wrap it up in a nutshell, I think, I think that's it for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. How about you, sir? I don't know if I could follow that. <laughs> <laughs> my parents did not grow up in Detroit. <laughs> but I just remember singing the songs with my dad in the car, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, that funkiness and that groove to it. It's something you can move and something you connect to no matter what. Yeah. I think something cool to relate to, though. Like, uh, like isn't she lovely? Or, you know, we're playing my Sherry more. Uh, is that... Uh, Michelle Obama loves Stevie Wonder, mm. like absolute like favorite artist ever. You know, if you'd like to be on the podcast, uh, Michelle, <laughs> <laughs> Brock but, and Michelle, you I know, find a space for you. You know, he's played <laughs> yeah. for one of their inaugural balls, and he, he recently, for his birthday, she surprised him on I think it was the Jimmy Fallon show or something, mm-hmm. and he played my Sherry Moore, and it, but he played it. For to Michelle Obama, and it was just so sweet. Yeah. But that—that's what he is. He's got that connective quality to him mm-hmm. that brings you in. Yeah, and I think I heard you say on one of your other podcasts about you don't know anybody who doesn't like Stevie Wonder. Right. It's true, and right. there's a certain universality. Universal. Mm-hmm. Universal. What's that? Actually? Universality. That works. All right, Universal. I'm just, that works. If it's not a word, I made it up. It's universality. <laughs> All right. So to to his music, to his sound, um, it's. There, there are very few people who it rubs them the wrong way, mm-hmm. and Stevie's truth. He's the truth. That's the thing. He's the truth. There it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it's, I, it's, it's hard because like I don't know if I could even answer my own question that I just asked in a way because it's just been like that's just been the music that I've had around me my whole life, and that it's just like there, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's kind of like asking like, well, what do you think the, the leaves are green? I mean, there's a reason for that. They're like, but it's just, it is, it just is, you know, like, I feel like there's these linchpin songs 
throughout uh, culture now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you look at uh, you know Beethoven's Fifth and superstition mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they they have the same mm-hmm. cultural impact mm-hmm. they're just there yeah like you know you try to list like well, when was the first time you heard beethoven's fifth when was the first time you heard you know superstition i don't, I don't know. know it's <laughs> always been there and like the universe it's just always been there it's, yep. it's 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 one of those songs and i feel like so you are playing. Let's I guess let's talk about uh, "Isn't She Lovely" first, because I think that's the one that you picked, right? Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. so let's let's talk "Isn't She Lovely" a little bit. So from "Songs of the Key of Life," yeah, um, one of the longest hit songs in the world because it's like seven or eight minutes long. Which is uh, the run out. Yeah, yeah, which is ironic. Cause, yeah, like <laughs> like it's like actually two minute song, but. <laughs> but he decides to just riff on the harp for forever, awesome. forever. <laughs> you know, I play harmonica, which but there's you'll find that I'm not going to play harmonica today because I did not want to be sized up next to Stevie Wonder's harmonica playing. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't. No. So he makes me take the solo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, by the way, would you mind just just doing Shift. the whole harp? It's kind of good. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. isn't she lovely? Uh-huh. Well, that's cool, of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the no. whole reason. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> So what, like, what out of that song? Because you know, it's like out of a catalog like his. There's mm-hmm. like any number of songs that you could pick. What about that song appealed to you? All right. Well, well, first off, I would say that like it's not the most obvious choice. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, uh, so you understand it, is that I would have picked a more obvious choice, but those songs were already taken by other artists on this podcast. Yep. So, <laughs> so I had to pick something else. And the first song that came to mind was "Isn't She So Lovely." Isn't, yeah. Anyway, uh, specifically because I have this memory of this song, um, and this is a bit of a story. I'm trying to keep it condensed. No, go ahead. Well, all right. So my mother was a hoarder. <laughs> and, um, hoarder, a hoarder, by the way, hoarder. hoarder. Yes, yes, she's not alive anymore, so she can't take offense. But yes, let's let's enunciate that hoarder. one more time. Hoarder. Yes, she was a hoarder, and um, so she would collect things, and she would just. Uh, amass stuff and uh, people our age remember video discs Mm. not laser discs not vhs but there was the video disc which was a basically a piece of vinyl that had a movie on it and halfway through the movie you would have to slip this whole plastic shell in and pull it out and flip it over and you know Mm -hmm. watch the second half of the movie you remember that yeah i remember that that. not many people do but these video discs well, when that technology became passe about, what, two years after it came out, um, one of the stores that was renting them at the time decided to sell off their stock. Well, my mother bought the whole stock of video discs. <laughs> what? How much was that? I don't know. <laughs> I was like 12-ish at the time. Sure, yeah, yeah. All right, so, so she brought these all home. And they sat in the back room. So over the next year, I started, you know, going through those. And I, I was always a movie kid, but I think mm-hmm. that actually helped sort of develop my movie tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, and after, you know, like I said, somewhere in the middle of there, I found there was a Playboy video. <laughs> and it had like Dudley Moore on it. And it had some sexy time stuff on it too. Oh, was it one of those like Play- Playboy After Dark? It was like Playboy Playmate thing. It was like it was like the magazine would be, but yeah. in video format. And, but it was was it like a variety show kind of thing where like Dudley Moore would come out and do and something, they, they and then sort they of, would they sort of like yeah interview him for a bit, like like they do an article in the magazine. They yeah, interviewed yeah. him. And then they'd have like the centerfold, and then they'd like do a thing about whatever, <laughs> like liquor or something. And I remember 
there was this naked chick as the playmate who was roller skating on like Venice Beach. To, Isn't she so lovely? <laughs> All right, there came, you go. <laughs> and it came back to me. And then, of course, later in life, um, I, I, I love the irony, and I love irony, but I love the irony that they would use that for a, a salacious movie when it's all about the birth of a child. <laughs> There's something about live. that was so perverted and inverted that I loved it. And I thought, I want to play that song. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty messed up. Because it's like, you know, because I was just thinking, I'm like, even the words, like, just at one minute old and all that stuff, like, that's kind of, it's kind of hilarious, actually. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so, so. And also... Of all the artists that, that they could get a song that they wrote and, and performed and all that stuff, Stevie, given his vision and all, wouldn't be offended by that necessarily. Right. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's just women roller skating. All right. You know, like, I've been fine. You know, it's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Sarah, did you do you have a part in the decision making on the song? I or? know that story. <laughs> That's kind of a fantastic story. <laughs> are you, are you... I thought it was going to be some like profound story about how he has a beautiful daughter and that it just reminds me of when she was born. Well, it is now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Curveball over here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's a great! I I don't know if anybody else is going to have that story like that. I'm pretty that's sure that's that's, that's just pretty outstanding, to me, man. man. That's pretty... <laughs> if anybody out there can find that video disc, I looked for it. I wanted to like quote specifically which one it was. <laughs> Episode two fourteen of the or whatever. I don't know. That probably would have been kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> I had them all cataloged. <laughs> actually, okay, it's kind of similar funny story. I, I had a friend in high school that knew, like, Cinemax movies so well that yeah. he had on videotape that he could quote what timer <gasps> thing. Like, oh. you know, I used to have a four-digit oh. timer, right, yeah. on VCRs, and you're like, go to 3822. That's the moment. That's and wow. that's like, you know, boobs <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's dedication, wow. man. That's like... It's like, well, can you, can you fast forward it? Because I don't really want to touch it. It's like, you know... <laughs> it's, it's fine. You can, you can do that. It's fine. <laughs> no, wait. Go ahead. Go to 4717. <laughs> you know these pretty well, man. <laughs> Inside and out. <laughs> you. <laughs> okay, so back to Stevie Wonder. Back to Stevie Wonder. Uh, <laughs> little reverie there off into Pornville a little bit. Um, so... I don't even know. I don't have a brain. My brain doesn't work anymore. <laughs> it's been short circuited um, by roller skating naked girls yeah. or whatever. I don't know. But anyway, so, um, so I'm a guy. What can I say? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> so um, so given like given that that song like in in pretty much anybody else's hands other than Stevie, like I could see like. I could see it being hard for it to make it go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like it's the mm-hmm. kind of song where like it just it is this thing mm-hmm. and you could do it for twenty minutes. And it, sure. it pretty much doesn't have the curves and the, the valleys yeah, that, yeah. that mm-hmm. a lot of songs do. Mm-hmm. So when you were preparing it, like did you find that that was a challenge? And like I'm sure we'll hear how you got over it, mm-hmm. but yeah. um but like did that 
Was that a challenge that you guys faced? No, we or? just made it 30 seconds, and it was fine. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if I'd say a challenge, but I, I being musicians and being interpreters sometimes, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I in a lot of the shows that we play, we're, we're playing rooms that prefer cover songs, and that makes us interpreters of songs, and we spend a lot of time finding ways that are not even just interesting to the audience, but interesting to us, to keep us engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a song like this, you hear there's a lot of really great textures going on in that song. And with two acoustic instrumentalists, um, you, you have to sort of find ways, not necessarily to make what happened happened, but ways to nod to those different textures. Mm-hmm. And, and we definitely talked about it, and we, we tried to make things uh, that, again, were interesting for us, and hopefully for you too. One, two, three. So for our second pick, my choice for you to play was My Cherie Amour, mm-hmm. uh, the classic 60s, late 60s uh, tunes for the teenage uh, Stevie Wonder thing. So how much do you hate me now? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not at all. I oh, mean, good, I, good. I, I was kind of surprised to end up with a couple of more ballady songs. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I really wasn't expecting that to happen, either for my pick or for your pick. Um, but here we are. Um, but all no. the funky songs were gone. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> not all yeah. the funky songs. You know, but, you know. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, no, I was actually uh, really have enjoyed learning the song and digging into it. Uh, it's, it's fun to sing, and I mean, I know about unrequited love. I mean, I. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, I've been there. I've been there more than <laughs> once. So, yeah, it's definitely something that uh, has a personal feel to it. But then again, as we sort of mentioned earlier, most Stevie songs do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that that touch point part of it uh-huh. too. So it's like, yeah. um, how familiar? Like, did, was that a song that you knew pretty well? Not playing wise, just just being something you've heard, or like? Absolutely. I don't even remember how much radio play it got, but yeah. I know that it's a song that I, I was very intimately familiar with uh, over my life. But it's funny because I even thought about like, oh, you know, you know, uh, Daryl might ask like, you know, well, how, you know, when did you hear that song and what does it mean to you? And what's funny about it is what keeps coming back to me is that great scene from Almost Famous when it's, I mean, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, for this movie that's been out for what, 20 years now? I think spoiler alert's okay. over right okay. <laughs> <laughs> But it's that moment, you know, when she ODs. Mm-hmm. And like, and he's dancing with her, collapsing in his oh, arms. Oh yeah! And it's just like beautiful culmination of this whole film. I forgot that was in there. And and that's the moment, and that keeps coming back to me. And that's one of those like really. I mean, it was a great film, start to finish for me. But that was one of those great, great, great moments. The step out moments, and and the whole film sort of churns at that point. Yeah, and, yeah. I totally yeah. forgot about that. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's heavy. I know. Like. Um, some of those earlier Stevie tunes, like whenever I hear for once in my life, for example, I always associate that with my grandparents' house because they had this, they had an eight track player old, <laughs> um, and they had an eight track player and they had this eight track of songs of like the sixties and it had like yeah. this whole melange of stuff. Maybe it's why I listen. I have such a weird, like sort of variety of music that I like to listen to because it would go from like Perry Como to Stevie Wonder. Yeah. You know, like, it would just ping-pong all over the place. So, you like, on one hand, you'd be listening to, you know, um, don't let the stars get in there, break your heart. And then, like, three yeah. songs later, you're listening to For Once in My Life. But that was on that tape. Yeah. And it's, like, it just burned into my brain from being in there. So every time I hear that song, it, like, puts me back in my grandparents' house in a way, which is kind of weird. But um, so that's that's kind of an interesting thing. How about how about you, Sarah? What, do you have a, uh, a My Sherry Amore... Sort of like connection story ish uh, or something like that. My or... mom played the organ in the seventies. In the <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Those little parlor has, organs that have yeah, the yeah, bossa nova kind of, beat. You yeah, can you put can the switch. Pl- and... Yep. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I think she had a lot of organ books with some pop tunes in them, and I'm pretty sure that that one was in there. And yeah. I don't think she practiced it, but I tried it a little bit. You know. <laughs> you know? So yeah. Cool. First experience trying to learn learn a Stevie song. It was hard, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't didn't do well. I, remember, I just kept turning the page. I'm like, know, I can't play this one. Nope, 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 nope. nope. Yeah, something we. I, entertainer, you know, or something. I had a I had a saxophone book when I was growing up, and it had Overjoyed in it. Oh. And wow. I was just like, what? <laughs> that, what does that even mean? That symbol right there. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. Um, and that was yeah. a mind blower. Yeah, there yeah. was just certain artists where I'd go like, mm-hmm. nope, not happening, yeah. and then move on to. But you something listen to else. the song because it's in the book. You know, yeah. you want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. So when you were working on it, I mean, like, the Motown arrangement, the original Motown arrangement, kind of lends itself to having bowed strings. Mm-hmm. Not so much guitar, necessarily. Well, there are some guitar parts in it, but, like, yeah. it isn't necessarily the first thing you would think of to play on an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have some... Oh, no, like, I didn't. You did. Yeah, that's what you gave That's me, true. Yes. That's quite true. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not the first thing you would think of, like, oh, yeah, I can play this on a guitar, mm-hmm. but... Um, but there's also this kind of road. Did you kind of follow that roadmap, or did you take it in any no. unique I, I've never directions? Done any or? of that in any song that I've ever learned? Nice. Honestly, um, and and Daryl, could, could you you've experienced this with me firsthand? Um, oftentimes, I will learn a song from memory, 
and play it that way, which is totally not the right way. It's like, kind of, in my mind, it sounded like this. Now, I did not do that with this song, but like, <laughs> but basically, I don't follow anybody's roadmap. I learned enough of it to get the basic vibe of the song. Mm-hmm. And then I like to just sort of make it something that's more mine than, you know. Um, I'm not saying I did that here, but we'll find out. In a moment, <laughs> I guess we? we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which, which pisses off most of the musicians, like the professional musicians I play with. Like, well, it doesn't go like that. Well, it does now. <laughs> That's why it's called improvisational. I've, I've learned to make peace with it, frankly. But yeah, like, you're not the only one, too. I mean, there's been other groups. Like, um, I was playing uh, just the two of us yeah. with, with this group. And, you know, there's a part that goes... And it's just descending. That, 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 that great... Chord progression, right? Yeah. Well, they don't play it like that. And it was like... So I started oh. playing the lick, and then they go to the, to the next chord, and I'm like... It's not right. Um, okay. Well, I guess I'm doing this. So here we are. Um, and it just, it stuck with me so much that I had to go home and learn it. Because I was like, I know that's not right. It's got to be this way. How is it supposed to be? And for the record, Daryl has corrected me a couple of times. And I've accepted. I've acquiesced. We've, to do it the right way. We've we found, we found a, a, a common ground. If only, if only America could learn from us. <laughs> <laughs> I want that bumper sticker. <laughs> Maybe that's the next thing. That's what we're doing. If only, Mer- if only America could learn from Daryl and Adam. Relivingstevie.com. That's Steve's truth. So yeah, cool. Well, we're looking forward to listening. To that. But before we do that, yeah. um, one of our uh, our things that we do here on this pod. There's not a lot of like <clears throat> common things that we do on this podcast, but one of the things that we do. Um, is we we hope and wish and pray that maybe Stevie will listen to us and see what's happening. Not you know not just because wow it would be cool for Stevie Wonder to listen to us, but it, really the whole like sort of heart behind the podcast is that is that we love Stevie, yeah. you know, and that's the whole thing. Like after I would kind of explained in other podcasts, but like you know, we lost Bowie and we lost you know all these amazing artists last year and and. Um, and never having had the opportunity to say thanks or to say, you know, you've really affected me or you've really, you've had this deep impact on me. And it, it really drove me to go like, well, who are some people that are still with us who deserve that? You know, like I couldn't do it for David Bowie, but who can I do it for that's here? You know, and it's, it's maybe a pipe dream that that would get to him. But I, I would really think that, you know, it would be, it would be a great thing for him to hear that. So that in mind, not that I've stacked the deck heavily or anything <laughs> like that, but, um, but that in mind, if you had, you know, the, the attention of, of Mr. Stevie wonder for a short period of time, um, what, what would you want him to, to hear? What would you like to say? Well, to let Sarah go first on okay. this one. I think just his talent and knowing that he can go out and influence millions of people, you know, it helped Michael Jackson to start, you know, to go off on his own because it was Stevie, you know. He was, like, the first one in Motown at that young age to be doing mm-hmm. what he did. And it, it was a complete inspiration, and his music continues to inspire, inspire all of us. Mm-hmm. Even now, doing this project has, like, 
made me a bigger fan. Yeah, if some so. knucklehead in Michigan decides he wants to do this podcast because, <laughs> like, ser- you know, like, really, seriously, yeah. think about being like that. Must be that would be a really heavy thing to yeah. think about, you know, yeah. and really make you go, "Why, wow, look at what I've done with my life." But I think mm-hmm. from the you educational know? standpoint, to see somebody with their talent go for it and be and and be found, and now now they're the inspiration. I mean. Teachers do that every day. We're not found and make mm-hmm. millions of dollars or anything, but we influence kids forever, and he does yeah. that for us. So That's true, and it's, it's one of the things that's a cool connection with that is in my classroom experience, having done the Motown thing and having somebody like him that you can put up as like, mm-hmm. look at this guy mm-hmm. and what he can do. And not have to worry necessarily about, you know, like what kind of influence that he might be like, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, because it, it, in a public school setting particularly, but really anytime that you're, you're working with a group of kids, you have to be really sensitive about, you know, what sort of images and what sort of like, you know, what sort of character somebody is when you present them to them. There's a lot of times when you use popular music and you have to edit the words and you have to mm-hmm. like go through all these kind of hoops to make it school friendly and, and mm-hmm. appropriate to use. And you don't have to do that at all no, with Stevie. It's timeless. You know, you don't, I, you don't have to worry about it. Like you put up Stu, mm-hmm. Sir Duke, you don't have to worry about, oh, I better change that because mm-hmm. that's, you know, like you can just use the songs as they are mm-hmm. and kind of use them as a role model. Not that that's what he set out to be necessarily, but, mm-hmm. but still you can as this guy who is just, you know, like tapped into his talent and used it in a way that positively affects mm-hmm. everybody around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really great, it's a great influence, you know. You guys have both hit on pretty much exactly the same things I was going to say. It was, I mean, you know, first off, um, I'm so grateful for his music. I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for what he's brought to the table. Um, I, I know not only has he influenced me, but he's influenced other people that have influenced me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's one of those artists. And... I, while he's waxed political on some of his stuff, predominantly, I might uh, even risk to say um, entirely, his music is positive, mm-hmm. um, which is huge. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I probably mirror things that probably most everyone else you've interviewed have said so far, which is thanks, Stevie. Thanks for being there, and thanks for doing this for, for the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for doing it for me personally. And if I had, you know, just a few more seconds of your time, I'm not worthy to play with you, but if you might pick up this guy, Daryl Bean, on your next tour, <laughs> he's pretty awesome, and you probably should do so. Boy, yeah. You yeah. would be better off. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, it's, it seems like he's doing all right with a band of these <laughs> guys right now, but it never hurts, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty. He fantastic. plays saxophone and other things, by the way. And other things. <laughs> need a keyboard player? Not really. <laughs> keyboard. You don't yes. need a keyboard no, player, just, really. You could just sit out and sing it, man. It's my my good. favorite thing actually it made me laugh so hard because he's the only guy that could probably pull this off and and actually like I was watching this product demo with Greg Fillingaines. Yeah. Um. And he was and it was this like vintage keys thing and he was he was just shredding through all these these songs. And half of them he's played on the original recordings. Because I was listening to him, like, man, he really nailed the feel on that. I'm like, of course he did. He's on the record. What am I talking about? <laughs> but he started playing Contusion oh. from uh, Songs in Key Alive. He's just sitting there. And he's like, and he goes, I played that on the record because Stevie couldn't. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. 
takes take some balls to, to talk shit about Stevie. Yeah. And Stevie would go, yeah, you're right. Because <laughs> he was like his music director for a really long time. I, I don't know if he played on the most recent tour, like on the Songs of the Key of Life tour. Yeah. But I know he's worked like a ton with him. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I could just be like, I could hear him saying that and Stevie being like, well, you rat. <laughs> so it was great. I'm like, that's maybe the only man on the face of the earth that can talk smack about Stevie right. and get away with it. Right. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> and for that, we owe you a debt of gratitude, Greg <laughs> Phelan Gaines. <laughs> well, great. Well, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. And we're going to finish it up by hearing some uh, My Sharia Moore. All right. And that's our show today. Thank you so much to our friends Adam and Sarah for being on the show. It was great to talk to them and to hear the songs. And then some things that uh, you might want to be aware of that you might want to take advantage of that have to do with Adam and Sarah. Um, first of all, you could visit Adam's website at adamlebeau.com. Spelling of that will be on the show page. Uh, adamlebeau.com. Actually, it will also be in the show notes. Um, and at that website, you can purchase his brand new CD, Itch. Uh, which features Sarah and myself 
playing on it as well and, and has a bunch of great songs on it. Uh, you can also see Adam and many, many, many other musical artists live at his show, The Broken Branch Breakdown, which is on July 22nd. Um, and you can find information about that on his website if you go to adamlebeau.com slash B3, like the organ. Um, you can find some information about that show on his website. In two weeks, I'll be featuring an interview and performances from one of my favorite musicians. I'm really looking forward to, to meeting him, um, a Michigan keyboardist named Jim Alfredson. Um, and if you've been uh, familiar with the jazz scene in Michigan, uh, you probably know Jim's name already. He's a member of the jazz organ trio Organissimo, um, but has also entered into lots of different styles of music. Prague, he's a big Prague keyboard player. Um, and writes for Keyboard Magazine and has done a gr- bunch of really, really great stuff. And I'm really looking forward to sitting down and talking to Jim and talking about what he's up to and his connection with Stevie Wonder as well and find out some stuff about that. So that's in two weeks. Uh, if you're interested in keeping up with the show, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash year of living Stevie. You can find out information about the show there and kind of keep up with the schedule, what we have going on. You could also follow us on Twitter at living Stevie is our handle there. You can email me at living Stevie at gmail.com. And of course you could also visit the website of our uh, publishers, our sponsors, I guess, whatever you want to call them. Um, Kevin and David, uh, the patrons, the patron saints of the show who put us on the air at abnormalentertainment.com. There's a website full of other wonderful podcasts that you might enjoy. There's a political podcast, the No Cry Zone, that's pretty interesting to check out, and lots of other podcasts for all different interests. So if you visit abnormalentertainment.com, you can find out things about the show there and then other shows as well. Or, of course, you can visit the show page at theyearoflivingstevie.blogspot.com. All these will be in the show notes as well. So thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Stevie is the truth. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Mr. Stevie Wonder. Head to abnormalentertainment.com for all of our podcasts and blogs. Go to cinemaheadcheese.com for our movie reviews and news. Don't forget our YouTube channels, Abnormal Podcast and Cinema Head Cheese. Get us on Twitter, at Abnormal Podcasts, and find all of our shows and Abnormal Entertainment on Facebook. You've been listening to the Abnormal Entertainment Network.